session with Dr. Farid Holakwi. Good evening and welcome to In Session. I'm your host, Dr. Fadi Delacqui, and I'll be with you for the next hour here on Radio Hamra. Studio number to call in, 310-441-0555. But if you do call in, I ask that all questions be directed towards my guest tonight, who I'll be introducing to you shortly. Uh, Dr. Jennifer Galvin is joining me tonight to talk about emotional intelligence. She's been on the show before, but let me introduce you to you again. She is a licensed clinical psychologist in private practice in Woodland Hills, California. She received her Bachelor of Arts from San Diego State University in psychology, and then she earned a Master of Arts and a PhD in clinical psychology from Alliant International University. We were actually classmates there. And she has obtained advanced clinical training in psychoanalytic psychotherapy at the New Center for Psychoanalysis, where she earned a certificate in psychoanalytic psychotherapy. Dr. Jennifer Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you. I'm so excited to be here again. Great. So we um, are going to be talking about emotional intelligence. And actually, you've written an article that isn't out yet, but will soon be published on Push. People can look out for that online um, on emotional intelligence. And so since we're talking about this topic, like any topic, it's good first to know what we're talking about. So maybe you can tell us a bit about emotional intelligence. People define it or describe it in different ways, but maybe you can share some of your thoughts on what emotional intelligence is. I think it's a very important topic, and I decided to prepare and write this article so that people can get a general understanding of what it is, but really the topic is pretty elaborate and detailed. So we'll kind of cover the basics Mm -hmm. in tonight's show. Um, But overall, emotional intelligence is a form of intelligence that's fairly similar to academic intelligence, creative intelligence, analytical intelligence. There's musical intelligence. And emotional intelligence is now getting a little bit more attention and people are starting to recognize how important it can be for so many different parts of our lives from work relationships, romantic relationships, job performance, and so on. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I've kind of categorized it into four different skills that are um, components of emotional intelligence. So we'll start off by breaking them down into four different segments. Sure. And maybe before you do that, if I could just jump in, because I think like you said, it does get much more attention. Even since the 90s, I think Daniel Goleman wrote the book mm-hmm. called the book on it, or the first real book that was called Emotional Intelligence. Right. But people were studying it around that time. Um, and even IQ itself, we were talking about this before the show, or intelligence or standard intelligence, or you talk about analytical intelligence or academic intelligence. Um, it was thought to be a predictor of success, or that's why they right, the IQ. created it, the IQ mm-hmm. test, to see who would be successful academically in their jobs. Professionally. Professionally, exactly. And they saw that people were not really, there wasn't a high correlation between IQ and these measures that they thought as far as success. And so now they're seeing that EQ correlates more highly with overall success, success. which is why it's so important for us to look at this topic, because Uh, parents are sometimes so obsessed with how do I make my kids successful, which itself we can probably do a few shows on, but, um, and they usually think it's about academics when really 
it seems like emotional intelligence might be more important. Yeah, it's actually really interesting. You know, my my kids go to a school, it's called Muse School, and they their foundation is centered around five different pillars. So it's not just academically focused, which mm-hmm. is what usually most conventional schools are focused around. And so it's a completely different approach along the lines of what you're talking about. And I think it's really important because the emotional social component is a huge part of their development and growth and what they're taught in school. And academic is just one portion of that. And so there's a lot of emphasis on building relationships and having um, social interactions and uh, emotional intelligence, really getting in touch with your own feelings and and understanding other people's feelings. And they really emphasize teaching that to children at a young age because they believe that that's really the core, the foundation for everything that comes after that, whether it's something professional or job-related to any sort of relationship you have after that. But the foundation is really social-emotional development. Mm -hmm. So I think absolutely IQ obviously is important. The academic piece is important. But it's not as huge and the center of attention like it used to be. Right. And um, more and more places in schools are really focusing on that. Yeah. And I think to me, sometimes I think of a way of looking at it as like IQ is like an engine. And so you can have a super powerful engine in a car, but if the steering and the wheels and all the other things are not functioning well, <clears throat> that car will kind of just like burn out or just like have all this, you know, firepower or horsepower that won't really get the car very far. misguided. Exactly. Exactly. So the emotional intelligence is so necessary because even with a lot of uh, IQ, you won't get very far if emotionally you're not able to take care of yourself and um, talk. We'll get into more what really emotional intelligence is, but without that, the car won't go very far just with a really powerful engine. Yeah, it's limited. Exactly. So yeah, you're going to get into the four skills. Right. So the first skill of emotional intelligence is having emotional awareness. Mm -hmm. And so in other words, having the ability to identify and label your own emotions as well as the emotions of others, so the Mm -hmm. people around you. Um, And I think a lot of times we do this probably without realizing we're doing it, but detecting people's emotions and you can detect that in their facial expressions, their body language and their voice. Mm -hmm. And what's interesting is something like emotional awareness. Of course, in others, we can see how it might take some practice or people can be better or worse. But usually people think, well, if it's my own feeling, shouldn't I just know them or shouldn't I always be aware of that? But it's, it's kind of interesting to see how often people are not aware of their mm-hmm. own emotions and in therapy sometimes i'll ask a client it's very cliche therapy question like how did you feel about this or how did you feel about that and they say i don't know and jokingly mm-hmm. ask them i say well who should we ask because it's kind of just seems funny that you yourself don't know don't so know. how can we figure that out but mm-hmm. emotional awareness knowing your own feelings is actually much it could be much harder than people yeah, it's more think. challenging yeah. than than you think and we'll actually get into i know you're going to talk later about some ways that we can develop these skills. So Mm -hmm. right now you're just giving that overview. So that was the first one, emotional awareness. Right. So the second skill is having the ability to harness your emotions and apply them to tasks like Mm -hmm. thinking or problem solving. Um, So people with greater emotional intelligence are able to use their emotions to guide them to things that they want to do, to their goals, to tasks, to whatever it is in their life. And by doing that, they really can have a stronger way of being directed or guided, Mm -hmm. Um, just being in touch with how you're feeling and then 
being able to really harness that into something that you want to do yeah, or some goal that you have really leads to a greater success. And yeah, because our, our emotions, the way I always think about it is sometimes people think, and I think that's a very big one you talked about, that if you're making a decision, it's rational. It's about logic. It's about thinking about the things and that's it. Whereas our emotions are a big source of information mm -hmm. that we want to be in touch with that actually will inform our decision even more if we can kind of blend the emotional and the rational together. And a lot of decisions, the emotion, emotions are so important. So if you're, let's say, looking at houses, of course, the costs and things and those logistics are very important. You can't ignore those. But you also want to pay attention to how you feel in the house or how do you feel about the house or other emotional aspects of it, because that's going to be part of the quality you get from having living somewhere or whatever it is you're doing or relationships. Of course, age and all these other characteristics that you want to match with the person are so critical, but how you feel with the person is mm -hmm. a huge part of it. If you don't feel happy around that person, if you feel bad or you feel whatever, it doesn't matter if the logistics all line up. Um, it's not about making a relationship on paper. It has to materialize in real life that if you don't pay attention to the feelings, you're actually missing a big source of what's important in making that decision. So I think it's an important one. People might think, how is emotions a big part of making decisions? But it's that it's such a key component that we can't ignore well, it. I do think also that emotions have been undervalued much mm -hmm, in our mm -hmm. society. And so we tend to kind of ignore them or push them to the side. It's almost like how sometimes parents or older people will look down on children or they don't listen to their opinions or mm -hmm. their perspective because they don't know. So we kind of do the same thing with our emotions. They're really not given the credit that they deserve. And so they're there to tell us something. They're there to guide us. They're there to show us things about ourselves and mm -hmm. the situation we're in. And, and we tend to, as a society, emphasize, like we talked about the academic intelligence, the intelligence, the, um, the thinking abilities, and we underestimate and undermine the emotional piece. Yeah, and so even if the feeling does pop up in the middle of buying a house, sometimes people will still proceed with all of the information mm -hmm. that's on a thought level and all the logistical, you know, rational things, and they'll completely disconnect or dissociate from the feeling piece and think, oh, eh, it'll go away. Or, mm -hmm. you know, they don't give it the importance or the value that it deserves. Yeah, absolutely. And I think related to that, sometimes we're unaware, and that's why the emotional awareness is so key of the emotions that are undetected by us or we're not aware of that are affecting our decision. We think it's about the logical and human beings are so good at convincing ourselves of something, whatever we want to believe or mm -hmm. see. So if you don't realize that, oh, you want to buy it, let's, since we're just using, the, using the analogy of buying a house, oh, the real reason you want to be here is because you want to be able to tell people you live in this neighborhood or whatever else that has a certain look that you think will look good to others, but you keep telling yourself, no, it's just the logistical things. You might not be aware of what's actually driving your decisions, with, which mm -hmm. is something emotional underneath. So mm -hmm. again, having this emotional awareness means that you are aware of all the information and actually allows you to make a better decision with all of it rather than having some of it right. hidden from your own Pieces view. Of it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So that was the second one. So let's go on to the third skill. So the third skill is understanding emotions and having the ability to be empathic and sensitive mm -hmm. to all of the different variations of emotions. So I think uh, it, this one's a really important one. We yeah. talked a lot about this before the show. Yeah, right. And I think because and the nuances of emotion are very important. And I know um, when we look at people who are more emotionally aware, rather than just saying, oh, I feel sad, they can say they feel sad, which is different than feeling 
like devastatingly sad, which is different from feeling disappointed. There's so much nuance and emotion that sometimes gets overlooked. And there is a lot of research into the benefits of having these different words to label different emotions, emotions. rather than just like this, I feel good or bad, mad or sad. Well, and also to be specific and personalize mm -hmm. it to the person that you're dealing with or talking to, because sad for you might look and sound way different than it does mm -hmm. for me. And so to be curious and interested in understanding what that label of emotion actually means to that person so that you can really step into a place of empathy mm. when you get to know what that experience is specifically like for that person. You know, there's also different types of empathy and we talked a little bit about effective empathy. So really having empathy for what the person is feeling and what their emotional state is mm -hmm. and versus a cognitive type of empathy where it's more uh, taking a perspective um, of trying to understand other people's emotions or identifying them. So that's more on a thought level where you try to understand it and have reasons and justifications and the empathy comes with understanding. Whereas the effective empathy is more just being with the person and their feelings and really being able to take in what it feels like for them mm -hmm. in that moment. Right. Yeah. And there's because uh, sometimes people can say, oh, I can see how that made you sad, but you feel a difference when the person seems to feel it with you. Of course, not to your degree, but they can show you, they kind of get it. You feel it more when they show you that. And, you know, there's like mirror neurons and a whole bunch of things mm -hmm. that also can be related to this, but we feel each other. And so when someone gives you that, it's a lot different than someone just telling you, oh yeah, that can make you angry or upset. That feels good, but there's a deeper connection when there's the affective or the emotional Absolutely. piece. Absolutely. And I think it's important to really um, have both versions. Mm -hmm. It's not that mm -hmm. one's necessarily better, better than the other. It's just that we tend to go more towards a cognitive version right. of understanding. And so it's important to take both into consideration. Sure. And then, so let's get into that fourth skill. And the fourth skill is managing emotions. So this includes both regulating your own emotions and also helping others regulate theirs. Mm -hmm. And with this, um, people, you know, people with emotional intelligence can harness both positive and negative emotions and they can manage them in order to accomplish what they've set their minds to. Mm -hmm. So it's really, really important. This one's really important as well because we need to learn how to take in all of the different variations of emotions from one end of the spectrum right. to the other and whether they're positive or negative. And we tend to more easily be open to taking in the positive emotions and regulating those mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. expressing those and talking about them, but we don't really do that as often with the negative emotion emotions. So it, it's a really part of the emotional intelligence is to be able to take in both positive right. and negative emotions and to harness them and direct them into something that will be constructive for you at the mm -hmm. end. Yeah. And I think we're going to talk uh, in the next segments even more about this uh, being open to the positive and the negative because uh, I sometimes joke that it seems like I have a war on happiness on my show because I talk about a lot of things of promoting some <laughs> negative feelings or being sad and it's definitely not that I have a war on happiness but I do almost have maybe not a war but something strongly against this obsession with happiness which at times comes from denial and neglecting the sadness of the other parts which are so necessary and a part of life and actually informative as we've been talking about. So after the break, we'll talk more about that, but just a final point on that. Um, all of these skills are in a way 
interrelated and they can help reinforce each other. So of course you have to have the emotional awareness, but then what we do with those feelings is so important. So if you're aware, oh, I'm angry and because I'm angry, I'm going to throw things and break things and rage at the person who I'm angry at. That's different than I'm angry. What's it, as you said, a constructive way of using that right, anger, expressing it. it to actually uh, maybe inform the person I'm talking to or my partner about what's going on. Yeah. Right. So just as a whole, it's about identifying it, recognizing it, labeling it, um, being aware, harnessing that into a specific goal or direction and having empathy for mm -hmm, other people's mm -hmm. experiences. Yeah. And I think, yeah, for me, uh, this last piece about the managing is so important because as you mentioned, feelings tend to get underappreciated, undermined. And then sometimes when people become more aware of them, they almost go to the other extreme where they give them too much weight. Oh, I'm sad. So I can do whatever I want, or I'm, I'm mad. And now I know I'm mad. So I can do anything with that anger. And it doesn't matter because I'm, I'm angry. And even we'll talk about the difference between saying I am angry to I feel angry or I notice the anger coming on. Uh, but I think that's such a key point that sometimes people miss because they get in touch with it, but then they almost use the feelings as a justification to do anything they want because of those that emotion that they're now in touch with. So after the break, we're going to talk a bit more about what this looks like in detail, um, emotional intelligence and the different components and skills, and also how you can improve your emotional intelligence because unlike the standard IQ that we usually talk about, emotional intelligence, you can make big improvements in your overall emotional intelligence. So again, I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Galvin. We're talking about emotional intelligence. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Again, I'm joined today by clinical psychologist, Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and we are talking about emotional intelligence. So, Dr. Galvin, in the first segment, you described four skills um, related to emotional intelligence or that are the components of emotional intelligence. Um, in this next segment, we want to talk a bit about how people can develop or strengthen their emotional intelligence. So what, what do you got for our listeners there? Well, I also just wanted to mention before we go into that, that there's really no test or scale that measures mm -hmm. emotional intelligence. So I know like there's mm -hmm. a lot of personality scales and measures and, you know, there's IQ tests. And so this isn't really something that has a validated test or scale to be able to measure right. kind of where you fall on the spectrum. So it would be a, really a lot of self-reflection or, yeah. you know, getting input from your social group or people around you to kind of get a sense as to where you fall. But as we go through these, you might be able to pick up on some things that sure. you could work on improving. There are, I mean, I know there are some, although they're nothing that are that standardized. Even I, I, know a book, I don't think they're validated. No, there's yeah. like, yeah, emotional intelligence. I mean, it's kind of like when you take a, which Disney princess are you? And I'm, I'm definitely a bell by the way, <laughs> but, um, when you do a, like these, they're not so validated, like it's a specific score, but, uh, you do, you can have some idea. Like there's a book, actually Emotional Intelligence 2.0 with a few authors and it comes with a test. It's good. Again, it's not something you can say, oh, my emotional IQ is 114. And that's like, you know, although someone could argue our IQ tests that valid either. And there's a True. lot of arguments there, but yeah, there aren't some specific tests that are for sure. You can take some that gives you an idea. Don't take it as like something set in stone that you're this or that, but Sometimes it can give you an idea of where you are at, but yeah, there isn't something like you can go to your psychologist and say, give me an emotional intelligence test and I want to get a score from you. You probably won't get something like that, but yes. Yeah, so, but go ahead. Some, some ways we can improve our 
emotional intelligence. Right. So there's ways that we can enhance our emotional intelligence. The same way we would go towards physical exercise to develop or strengthen muscles, we can practice and apply these different skills in order to increase emotional uh, intelligence. And so the first one is to work on increasing self-awareness. And we would do this by allowing negative feelings to arise mm-hmm. without effort, without putting an effort to avoid them or judge them. Yeah, so the more, yeah. yeah, the more honest or candid you can be with yourself, then the faster you'll get through this, this particular skill, you can identify what you're feeling and experiencing from within. And it can really help you become more aware of what feelings are coming through you and passing through you. Yeah, I think, and this is a huge one. In some ways, it's a foundational type of part of, I think, emotional intelligence is being aware of your own emotions, being in touch with your own feelings. Um, And it's, again, easier said than done, as we touched on in the previous segment. Um, And even related to that, I was thinking when we talked in the first segment, you have to want to get better in emotional intelligence and you have to value emotions. If you don't, you're not going to be like, why would I want to, like, this is all meaningless stuff. But hopefully people recognize first is, okay, emotions are important. They're driving really everything I'm doing in my life. They're what obviously I'm striving towards, feeling good, having a good life is all related to feeling. And as I mentioned in the previous segment, our emotions are running the show way more than we realize. Just to usually you're not aware of all the ways that it's running the show. And so it's about being aware of them because that's going to help you even, as you mentioned, be more successful in your career, emotionally, just personally, and all those aspects. So yeah, you have to value your feelings first and then want to know them and turn inward or else this won't even, you know, you won't even begin the process. So you would reflect first on what you're actually doing mm-hmm. in the moment and then you would reflect on how you're feeling Mm-hmm. about it, mm-hmm. about mm-hmm. whatever it is that you're doing. And then you would try to focus on figuring out what you don't know about yourself. So things like, am I missing something? What is it that I'm not seeing? What is it that I'm not feeling? What's happening around me? So there's got to be a lot of awareness around both the situation and the circumstances right. around you. And then also what is coming up for you. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the unknown piece where it's like, what what am I missing? What do I not know? Yeah. What is this feeling I'm not familiar with? What is it called? Mm-hmm. How would I describe it? What do I do with it? So those are all really good starting points mm-hmm. with those types of questions to really raise the awareness piece. Right. And and related to that, in, in some ways, it's some of what you were talking about is like, there's the what of your feeling, because I'm feeling sad, I'm feeling angry, I'm feeling anxious. And then the why piece is also very important. So you know, that's maybe another layer of it. It's like, okay, I realize I'm feeling sad. And there isn't always such a clear cut. I'm sad because this happened and that's why I'm sad. But sometimes you might pick up on patterns like, oh, I'm, I'm always sad after I say bye to that friend. Or I'm always, you know, angry after I leave this interaction or I talk with this person. And then you start to get better sense of what's causing the feelings or, you know, that deeper understanding. So the what is very important. And then the why is kind of going a little bit deeper Try to understand, okay, well, why am I feeling what I'm feeling? I think it's really important to have a heightened sense of curiosity. So if Mm -hmm. you look at people that are highly emotionally intelligent, there's a lot of curiosity. So a lot of questions that uh, promotes learning and improvement. Mm -hmm. So like you said, you know, asking yourself, oh, I'm feeling really anxious right now. I'm not really sure why or where is this coming from? So you ask a lot of questions and you're curious and you want to get to know yourself and the answers. Well, you know, I had this going on today, so maybe it's from that or Mm -hmm. this happened or 
you know, just exploring and being curious with yourself, taking an interest in yourself, essentially. And I think, yeah, that stance of curiosity, um, I think it's so important for parents to have with their kids. And that has that same thing. If you're trying to understand, okay, even if my, my kid's throwing a tantrum and I can say it's for no reason, but trying to see, is there a why, you know, and having that stance of curiosity and the biggest uh, or one of the biggest ways to really just take away curiosity is judgment. Because if you're not okay with seeing certain things, having certain answers be revealed, then you won't be so curious because you won't Mm want to see, oh, actually I'm insecure about this. And that's why I'm feeling anxious. Oh, actually I have a lot of anger towards this person and that, and maybe you don't want to feel those things. So the judgment gets in the way of the curiosity. And so having that non-judgmental awareness, a big part of meditation and mindfulness is promoting that mindset of non-judgmental awareness is so critical because if you're going to judge your feelings, you're not going to allow yourself to sometimes see when those feelings you judge are there. So Mm -hmm. if you see sadness as weakness, you're not going to want to see that you're sad. You're going to say, no, it's actually that I'm, you know, mad at you for da 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 You know, so you're going to avoid certain feelings and you won't be as aware if there's judgment. It gets in the way of that curiosity of looking within and saying, oh, I'm actually really feeling insecure about that. And that's why I'm so sad when I left that meeting. It's really hard to be vulnerable, to make yourself vulnerable and Mm -hmm. honest with yourself. So, you know, a huge part of therapy and the work we do is trying to help people see more truths and be honest with themselves about the realities and the truths of their feelings Mm -hmm. and the the situations and the things that go on in their life. And it's a very difficult place to be in. So, yeah, absolutely. I think it's, it's really hard for people to tolerate those emotions. Right. And there's a tendency, whether it's conscious or unconscious, to avoid them, mm-hmm. to deny them, to not focus on them. And then our culture emphasizes that even mm-hmm. further by, right. you know, be grateful, stay positive, be optimistic, and, you know, don't focus on the bad and the negative. And so there's really a very limited space for that. Mm-hmm. And it just gets pushed further and further away, which yeah. makes it more challenging. Exactly. So I think it's, you know, either you can call them your thoughts about your feelings, your feelings about your feelings, or your relationship to the different feelings. Because most people are very comfortable saying they're happy. Oh, I'm so happy. I feel so good. That's easy. People will say that easily. But I'm sad. For some people, that could mean weakness or ungratefulness, or Mm -hmm. um, I'm a loser. My life is bad. Or anger. No, that means I'm you know, I'm angry like this person in my life or whatever it might be. So another part of this awareness piece is actually recognizing your relationship to the different feelings, which feelings are more comfortable, comfortable for you, which ones are more uncomfortable, what types of judgments have you put on the different feelings? And again, trying to understand the why those things can make you become more aware and more open to seeing what's actually there. It's like you're going into a room and if you're okay with whatever you find in that room, you can find everything. But if you're scared of a monster in the closet, you're not going to go look into that closet to see what's there. Also, what's interesting about that is that once you let the monster out of the closet, you realize mm-hmm. how many people have the same monster in the closet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So nobody talks about these things. But the moment one person can come out and say, you know, I'm just feeling really sad today and I don't I don't know why or mm-hmm. I'm feeling sad because of X, Y and Z and I just don't feel good about myself. I feel insecure. I feel inadequate. All of these things, then people start to open up more because they feel safe and comfortable to access those emotions within themselves. So part of what we talked about is not only being aware of that within yourself, but helping others become aware of that and promote being able to tolerate all of these range of emotions. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that's why before the break, I kind of joked about the war on happiness or like the way people are so obsessed with happiness. 
the reason why I think it's so sad is like you were just saying, everyone goes through stuff. Everyone has negative feelings, uh, feelings they wish they didn't have, insecurities, hardships they go through. But because we have this obsession with everyone being okay, everyone being happy all the time, everyone is kind of hiding it from each other. So we suffer in silence, which means we don't get the support from one another. And also, like you said, so importantly, we think maybe I'm the only one. I'm the one. Everyone else is happy and I'm not. And social media, we've talked about this before, kind of further exacerbates this because everyone looks like their life is so good and well put together and happy. And then so when we're feeling down, like something's wrong with me because I'm the only one going through this. Well, and also I think we tend to deny those emotions, even if we have an awareness of our own feelings in Mm -hmm. that moment, we'll then deny it because we think we're alone in it. And it gets covered with drugs, alcohol, um, other compulsive behaviors, you know, video games, whatever it is. And so we definitely don't do the right thing and we avoid them. We judge them. And, and then it leaves us really in a difficult place with ourselves. Yeah. And that's why I think a big marker of emotional health is our tolerance for what we consider the negative feelings. The more I'm okay with, okay, I'm sad. That's okay is much better than I'm sad, I'm weak, I'm a loser, I'm this, what do I do to get rid of this sadness? You know, know, just to play devil's advocate, I think sometimes people struggle with the opposite version Mm -hmm. too, where it's like they have everything and they might actually be happy, but they don't really know how to be in that space of happiness. So that's really hard to take in too, because now it's like, more and more and more so people keep thinking they need more to be happy and they may not talk about that part well they might yeah they might not see what's actually missing because they think it's something else but i think sometimes people do self-sabotage of course or they don't know if they deserve to be happy so they find a way to make themselves sad or they're afraid if they feel good or they think they have something good they're going to lose it so they'd rather not even have it to begin with or acknowledge that it's there so I think that's definitely true. People can go to that reverse and get, and not I don't want to say addicted, but kind of hooked on being sad in some way where they almost choose that. So I think that's possible. My experience, I think, is that more people are doing the opposite where they're just wanting to say everything is good. And I just see how much people hurt because I think like you were saying, this feeling of I'm the only one or I'm the one who can't figure this out or I'm the weak one when really we're all going through something. I think that's why people connect so much when someone actually becomes vulnerable and says, Hey, I deal with anxiety or I deal with this. And a lot of celebrities are coming out. I think it's great sharing their mental health issues and publicly declaring it. And I think it's awesome because it's making it more okay to Mm -hmm. say I have this just like, you know, if someone gets diagnosed with cancer, that is very sad and they'll talk about it and get an outpouring of support, but maybe if they say I'm depressed or I have anxiety, they're not going to get, and I'm not, I don't want to compare that, say depression is as bad as cancer. I don't want to make any kind of comparison in that way, but people won't get the same response. It's somehow that we get blamed for it, or it's something we should be embarrassed or ashamed about. And I'm glad we're shifting away from that, but we're still not quite there. There still is a stigma with mental illness. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that also relates to why people aren't so comfortable feeling their feelings or acknowledging their feelings because the judgment isn't just internal we've internalized space for it right society and culture can play a big part in what we consider okay to feel and not to feel or how much we allow ourselves to you know go through things emotionally so i know we we have you have a few more of these um kinds of skills or ways you can develop your emotional intelligence and again the good news is it's something we can work on and improve so we'll talk a bit more about those time always does fly Uh, when you're here so we only have one segment left after this but i'm here with dr jennifer galvin and we're talking about emotional intelligence we'll be right back 
Welcome back. Again, I'm joined by Dr. Jennifer Galvin, and we're talking about emotional intelligence. And you were going to get into a few different ways that people can uh, improve or work on their emotional intelligence. And we, uh, I got really focused on that first one because I thought there was a lot there, but I do want to make sure. It's it's a really important one, actually, because, you know, I think the self-awareness piece is limited when there's a judgment towards the different feelings. So we have to be open to all of the different feelings that come up, whether they're positive or negative, Mm -hmm. and be aware of them as they come up and identify them so that we can work through it. Sure. Let's get to uh, the second one. Yeah. I mean, I think it kind of bleeds into the second one in the sense that when you do identify the emotion, it's important for you to manage that emotion. And a great way to do that is by objectively reflecting on that emotion or emotions to see if they're suitable for that situation. And so I think sometimes, you know, just stopping, taking a break and reflecting on the way that you're feeling is really helpful to see, okay, I'm feeling really, really angry right now. And I wonder if that's appropriate for the situation. I mean, this person said one thing to me, is my level of anger appropriate Mm -hmm. for what just happened? And I think that will be a good indicator as to where your emotions are falling and if they're going too extreme in one direction or the other. And it also gives some perspective into how to manage it. So if it is too large for that situation, then you can work on toning it down or expressing Mm -hmm. it differently or reacting maybe with a different perspective, Um, but just reflecting to see if it was appropriate. And I think a lot of times we do this after the fact Mm -hmm. when things settle down and the emotions are de-escalated, then we'll say, oh, maybe I overreacted or I shouldn't have yelled or I shouldn't have thrown this or whatever it is. But it's really more challenging to do that in the heat of the moment. Oh, absolutely. And I think, you know, it's like maybe decreasing the time where you can do that is good because when we feel a strong emotion, it can, you know, people say like you're seeing red when you're angry. It mm-hmm. does, it does become at times hard once you get to a certain point to, to realize that, okay, maybe I'm more angry than I need to be, or let me be aware of how I express it. Um, but this is a tricky one because it's very easy for people to say, oh, I shouldn't have gotten mad at all. Even maybe when it could have been because it goes back to those judgments. And so it's realizing, yeah, maybe I did get more angry than I needed to be, but I don't want to completely undermine i think that you mentioned really key word curiosity it's like let me try to understand it was i you know what i said i got more angry than i thought i would have based on what that person said and then you realize okay maybe it's actually because they triggered something from my past or so i didn't i wasn't just angry at them it was anger at someone else i was pouring on to this situation and so that why piece that curiosity piece can help us understand why we felt maybe so much in that moment i think also there's a difference between what you're feeling emotionally in the moment and your reaction so mm-hmm. we tend to kind of combine the two but if we yeah. if you can take some space to tease it apart you can be really 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 angry about something and express that in a way that is digestible for the other person, but the reaction piece is the mm-hmm. difficult. So you shouldn't be throwing and yelling and fighting, even though you're really, really angry. So approaching the person and saying, you know, I'm feeling really, really angry about this. Maybe it's, I shouldn't be this angry about this, but I am, mm-hmm. is a completely different way to approach such situation than to react from an extremely angry place. Right. So it's important to differentiate those two because the reactions are not necessarily fused with the intensity of the emotion. I mean, they can be, you can feel really angry and not react necessarily, except just express it. Right. And I think, um, 
that's what, it also can actually make it where people won't want to feel their feelings as much if they're afraid that if I get so angry, I know I'm going to do something stupid or do something that I'll later regret. It's finding a way to experience your anger, uh, acknowledge it, and then express it in a way that you also feel okay with after the fact. Because if you express it and then feel ashamed every time, you're going to want to maybe deny it more or mm -hmm. you're going to see it, have this unhealthy relationship with your feelings. But I think that's so key to be aware of it. But then recognize you can express it in a way, even if it's a strong feeling that doesn't make you feel bad after the fact of how you expressed it. Right. Communicating it would look totally different than acting it out. Mm -hmm. yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so moving on, sure. the next way would be to practice empathy by recognizing other people's emotional needs. So you can do this by becoming conscious of verbal and nonverbal cues to try to understand other people's perspectives and put yourself in their shoes mm -hmm. And, um, you know, t really, I think taking in the verbal and nonverbal cues is a great starting point and indicator to be able to kind of see where the person's at, what they're feeling, the way they're carrying themselves, their eye contact. Those are all great ways to kind of recognize where the person is emotionally and what they may need. Yeah. I, I And again, it goes back to even uh, when we're trying to be more aware of ourselves, first wanting to look within this is also again like having the desire to want to understand people so you have to put that effort of trying to notice and pay attention to it and i've also seen some uh people talk about how even things like watching movies or especially reading literature reading novels can help people in this because you start to read about the characters and imagine mm -hmm. what they're going through like you said putting yourself in their shoes uh people that might be very different from you or what seem like different and then you get a better you get better at this perspective taking and and feeling that both maybe the, the thinking, the cognitive um, empathy, but also the affective or emotional empathy. And so uh, it's paying more attention to those things just can make you better at that skill. Yes, absolutely. I agree. So another way would be to become aware of your own stressors. And you can do that by keeping track of the things that increase your stress level or that make you more reactive. And um, if you're proactive and you take these steps to minimize your stress level or your reactions, then, you know, it's, it's another way to really tune into yourself and become aware. Okay, I'm, feel, I'm starting to feel really angry or provoked by this. I'm starting to feel really stressed by this. And really kind of keeping track and being balanced in this sense mm -hmm. is really important. I mean, we were talking a little bit before the show about trying to see these things objectively. So there's a lot of external stress that's coming my way. I have things going on at work. I have things going on at home. I have mm -hmm. things going on in my relationship. And by being aware of those things and knowing my plate is really, really full right now, then you can take steps to try to either lessen the load or to add things that will help you cope with those things a little bit better. But really just being aware of it and seeing them objectively really helps to minimize the outrageous emotional reactions or, you know, the difficulty and when you disconnect from what you're feeling. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And also can help with the awareness piece. So you might say, oh, you know, my friend said something so mean and that's why I got so angry. But then if you're aware of your stress level or what's going on and you realize, well, I didn't sleep enough or I had a bad day at work. And then I saw my friend, you can have better awareness of what was really going on. So it wasn't just about what your friend said, but your mindset at that moment. And um, what we're going through physically, what we're going through emotionally overall is always going to affect how we your are in our next. State. Exactly. So if you didn't get enough sleep the night before, 
you know you're probably going to be more irritable, more emotionally reactive than if you had gone a full night's rest. So being aware of those types of stressors and your stress level going into the situation can definitely help you um, recognize and understand what you're feeling a little bit more deeply. And then you also have a, a fifth uh, recommendation. Yeah, I mean, I think the fifth one we talked a little bit about, um, you know, being curious, asking questions, taking initiative towards solutions, and um, being hopeful, really, that you can handle it. So you're in charge, you're the driver behind the wheel. And all of the things that happen, all the things that come to you, all the stressors and you know, the emotional things that you're in charge of the, of them. And so sometimes we let the emotional piece get the better of us and mm. it takes over and we lose all control. And that's when we have a hard time managing our emotions because our emotions are now in charge of us and we see red or black out or whatever it is and we no longer have control. So, you know, becoming aware of it, learning how to manage it and then harnessing it. So understanding that you're angry, managing the anger, and then also directing it towards something that's going to be constructive for your life. So that would look something like, I really want to get into grad school. So I'm going to focus on applications and all of the things that it takes to get in there. And I'm going to use the anger as fuel to get me there or working on a project or something that will really take you towards your goals and help Mm -hmm. you accomplish Mm -hmm. them. Yeah. And I think, um, you know, the asking the question, trying to understand yourself is so better. But you said this thing that like the observing self, which I think is so important, like you don't have to become slave to your feelings completely. There even are some quotes about that being the slave to the passions. Um, but you can observe your feelings. I think sometimes people are so afraid of getting overwhelmed or letting their emotions run the show completely that they keep them at a distance. But realizing you can be aware of and in touch with your feelings but still not feel like you lose control completely. Um, and, you know, I know you're big in meditation and mindfulness. And so that's where the observing self can become critical, that you can be aware of them and still make your decisions and not let them completely run the show. Well, and I think, you know, emotional intelligence is positively correlated with so many things. And mm-hmm. one of them that's linked to what you're speaking of is to have greater tolerance for all of the different emotions and to have greater tolerance for ambiguity. And so to really be able to tolerate all of the feelings and to sit with them and not really have to let them take charge of you, to take over you, to ruin everything for you is really big. So the greater your emotional intelligence is, the more positive your interpersonal relationships will be, the greater your achievements will be, whether they're academic or at work. Um, you know, there, there's so many different, um, abilities and things that come with having greater emotional intelligence and greater psychological well-being, and having that self-awareness really creates more self-compassion and self-perception. And it's, it's beneficial in so many different ways Mm -hmm. that I think that it's an important topic and it's a form of intelligence that really we need to focus a little bit more on. Yeah, absolutely. And um, as individuals that we've talked about and we've touched on also as parents being aware of, I think a lot of times parents think their job is to make their kids academically successful or be like these academic managers and make sure every kid's homework is done and their grades. And of course, we are aware of those things and focus on them. But I think a parent can play an even greater role. And even I think their greater responsibilities on the development of their emotional and their social skills and their child and having that mindset and focus 
is probably even more important and something that I, I would hope parents focus on more than, oh, I got to get my kid to have a high IQ or be academically successful, but focus more on the emotional intelligence piece. Yeah. I mean, like, as I said in the beginning, um, you know, there's styles and forms that are taught to children. Like my kids learn to communicate their feelings in a way to the other kids in school by saying, when you pushed me, it made me feel Mm -hmm. sad. I would prefer if you didn't push me again. And so they're really taught how to express, to to know what they're feeling and to express that in a healthy way to their friend Mm -hmm. or their classmate. And um, instead of just running to the teacher and expecting them to fix it or ignoring it Mm -hmm. or, or acting out and hitting the person back. So yeah, absolutely. I think it's really, really important. And as parents, part of our job is to really focus on what they're feeling and helping them identify and label those feelings. Cause I mm-hmm. think a lot of times we see adults that don't know what they're feeling because they don't know the words for it. Yeah. And they were never really taught, Oh, you're feeling sad right now. Or you're feeling angry right now. And so there's no language behind it. And so it's a foreign territory mm-hmm. and it just tends to be pushed further and further to the side, avoided, judged. It becomes the big bad wolf and, Everybody runs away from it, and it's really harming us more than anything because it's affecting us in places that we wouldn't think, like job places, mm-hmm. work environment, you know, relationships. I mean, everything. It's so important. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, um, you know, you mentioned something about, like, your kids and learning about resolving their own conflicts and not having to just go to the teacher. Of course, oftentimes they'll need someone to help them out. But I think conflict resolution is really impossible without having emotional intelligence because you have to be aware of what you are feeling, be able to own your own feelings, but also very importantly, importantly, be able to express that in a good way to the other person. Because as you were talking about before, if you just rage out at the other person, you're not going to have a good conflict resolution. But if you can express it as you're saying, I felt this way when this happened, and then you kind of talk to each other, you understand how they felt. And even that's a big part of couples therapy is allowing for both sides to express themselves and understand each other. Mm-hmm. But we can see how hard it is for people to do that a lot of the times. And so we sometimes need someone else to help us. But eventually we want to try to internalize those skills to be able to have that ourselves. I'm aware of my feelings. I can handle them and I'm aware of how I can express them to you in a good way. And I can also hear your feelings and handle that and manage that and help you. And together we can get closer if we're able to do that. But so often that piece is missing for Mm -hmm. a lot of people. Right. And I think it's difficult too when you're in a heightened sense of emotion to really have empathy for what the other person's going Mm -hmm. through. So Mm -hmm. sometimes I think we have to see this in compartments And, you know, you might have the self-awareness piece and then you might later reflect on what happened and then you might later develop some empathy for your your partner. So, you know, it's not a linear process necessarily Mm -hmm. and it doesn't all occur congruently, but it's important to just keep track of all of the different pieces and reflect on them and really try to access them at some point so that there is a greater growth. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, you know, emotional intelligence doesn't mean everything you feel is going to be good and easy and you're always going to get it right. Of course, we're always working on it. And even a part of self-awareness might be, you know what, when I get really angry, I say some pretty bad stuff. And of course, I want to work on that and understand that. But in the meantime, because I know when I get this angry, I say some things I later regret. When I start to feel I'm getting this angry, I'm going to say, let's take a break and not talk for 30 minutes so I can calm down. That could be a piece of self-awareness. So it doesn't mean if you have emotional intelligence in every moment, you're going to carry yourself perfectly. You might become aware of your weaknesses or become aware of, you know, you talked about stress levels or things and, okay, when I get this way, I tend to do this. How can I 
handle it better. Um, so and you can always... even sometimes say things like, you know, I'm really, really angry right yeah. now and I want to say some really mean things yeah. or I really want to say something that will hurt you. Mm-hmm. So right now is really not a good time to talk about it. So, yeah, I think it's, you know, the expression piece I and mean, being able to express what it is that you're feeling in that moment and to handle the situation appropriately is is key to all Absolutely. of this. Yeah. And so we are at the end of tonight's show. A big thank you again to Dr. Jennifer Galvin, who was on the show to talk about emotional intelligence. And for those of you uh, wondering if she's in practice, as I mentioned, she is in private practice here in the Los Angeles area. And that number for her office is 818-538-5236. Dr. Jennifer Galvin, thank you for joining me tonight. Thank you so much. Till next time. Till next time. Thank you again for coming in. And thank you to Amir here in the studio. You've been listening to In Session with Dr. Fadi Dalakwi. Have a wonderful night.